Hello, and welcome to the Hinterviews podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre and coming to you from the Panorama Room of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the first interview of the NAC English Theatre's 2011-12 season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, Artistic Director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Micheline Chevrier, director of David French's Saltwater Moon about her history of the play, the creative process of this production, and her career as a theatre artist. Saltwater Moon ran in the NAC Theatre October 18th to November 5th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre production of Saltwater Moon, please visit nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Micheline Chevrier. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm not cold, but I wanted to wear this hat today because it's my Newfoundland hat. So <laughs> you can see there that I got it in Fogo Island. And when I was in Fogo Island two years ago, where I got this hat, and I'll tell you, this hat is the best hat ever. Like, you know, when it's minus 30 here in February, this hat... I'm warm as toast, I'm happy, walking the dog, everything's great. So I go back to Fogo Island and I say, I walk in with this hat and I said, this is the best hat, I want another one in another color, do you know where I can get one? And the lady looks at me and she goes, yes, I made that hat. (laughs) (laughs) I is it seriously? She goes, yes, I did and I got one. So I got two more. (laughs) You'll be seeing them, a lot of them this season. Uh, especially the winter. Welcome to the interview, our first one of this season for Saltwater Moon. And uh, before I uh, invite you to join me in welcoming our guest today, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Micheline Chevrier is the director of Saltwater Moon. And y'all might be very familiar with Mish because for the NAC, she's directed the vaudevilles of Chekhov, you might recall with Douglas Campbell. Accidental Death of an Anarchist, A Room of One's Own, that was done with the Shaw Festival and the Prairie Theatre Exchange, and Written on Water by Michel-Marc Bouchard. Um, she has had an enormous career working all over Canada, also well-loved here in Ottawa, where she was the artistic director of GCTC uh, at one time. And... Uh, her, her credits are numerous and include Albertine in Five Times, the Kiltartan Comedies, uh, The Tinker's Wedding, Love from a Stranger, A Room of One's Own, all for the Shaw Festival, Champ de Mars, A Story of War for Imago Theatre in Montreal, A Thousand Paper Cranes, I Don't Like Mondays, Anderson's Inkwell for Geordie Productions in Montreal, Intimate Apparel, which is a marvelous play that is going to be at the Centaur Theatre in... In opening at the end of March. In the end of March. Come on. 
That bus leaves every hour on the hour. It's only two hours away. It's a wonderful play, and I really look forward to seeing Misha's production of it. Doubt for the Centaur, The Goat, My Mother's Feet, Rice Boy for Canadian Stage in Toronto. Coma Unplugged, Leo, Life of Three, many, many, many plays. And one of the plays that Misha also directed many years ago, that we'll talk about, I think, today, is Saltwater Moon, which you directed 18 years ago, eh? Yes, something like that, 17 or 18 years ago at the Globe Theatre in Regina. In Regina, with Marcel Genin was in it, who played the friar in Romeo and Juliet last year, you see? Six degrees everywhere you go. It's, uh, we're really, really thrilled that Misha's directed Saltwater for us, so please join me in welcoming our guest, Micheline. What's it like when you hear that whole list of all those A bit surreal, and I have to say that makes me feel kind of old suddenly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what people say. It's funny. I know, it's funny. It's funny. I guess that's... It's, it happens, but it's actually, it makes me feel um, also, but mo- and mostly, uh, honored and lucky to have mm. been able to travel from coast to coast, yeah. uh, to live that experience, which many Canadians don't live at all, um, and I would wish that everybody could, uh, to work in communities, with different artistic communities um, across the country, which gives you an insight into those communities that... Most of us also aren't lucky to have. So that's what it makes me feel mostly. Mm. And also listening to the titles of these plays and how varied they've all been, which is uh, a way to understand the world, um, which is why I think we are, I feel some, uh, sometimes incredibly lucky that I get to do that for a living, is to get to yeah. understand and um, explore more than my own experience. Yes. And, and it, I only read about a third of them, <laughs> as I could go on. And a lot of these are Canadian works. Yes, they are. Now, um, is that, how did that happen? Was that by design on your part? Was that what came your way? Is that? I think a little bit of both, but certainly I would say that mm, I fell in love with the idea of us telling our own stories. One of my first memories of going to the theater, my parents did not go to the theater. They were music lovers. They were art lovers, but not theater lovers. And I went to see a play called Charbonneau et le Chef, uh, which is actually, funnily enough, I saw it at the Théâtre Jean Duceppe in Montreal, and it was about Duplessis, and the, what was he, was he an archbishop? I can't remember, my history is really bad suddenly. Shabon, uh, was he, is that what he was? Yeah, thank you. Um, and it was their relationship. And I remember seeing this, and it, with, is what it was with, um, uh, not about Jean Duceppe, sorry, about Duplessis and Chabonneau, and it was played by Jean Duceppe. And I remember seeing this at 14 years old, thinking, wow. oh my God, this is about us. This is my history. It's not some English or French or Russian play. It's about our history. And it's a very vivid memory for me. And I remember thinking, that's what I want to do. I'd always wanted to do theater, but, you know, in school you study Molière or Shakespeare. I love them, don't get me wrong. But suddenly I felt a a connection to theater in a more personal way. So then I think it did naturally evolve from there that I wanted to look at Canadian uh, writers uh, especially young Canadian writers. And I started my own company in Toronto at one point to explore that. So, and I think that my love for it also ended up 
being known by people who wanted to have mm. me come and work at those theaters. And so they asked me often to do Canadian works, which I was very happy to do. It's amazing, isn't it, that, you know, you can, it almost can be taken for granted, Canadian works being part of the repertoire and part of what we do. But, you know, when we were talking yesterday, I realized we didn't do a single Canadian play when I was in theater school. Yeah. <laughs> I was 30 years ago, but... We did not do a single Canadian play the entire time yeah. in anything that we did. And it, it's just an interesting measure, isn't it, of how the theatre has grown. When you tell that story, um, what a short history we've had mm -hmm. and how much has happened in that time. Absolutely. And I, I think it's a little bit, it might be a little different in Quebec because uh -huh. the, 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 uh -huh. the, the playwrights or that culture of writing from that perspective, is a little bit older. Not much, though. We're talking maybe yeah. 15, 20 years difference with English Canada. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. But still, I agree with you. I don't remember in high school studying Tremblay, and yeah. he had written by then, you know, so oh, I don't yeah. remember doing that. I remember studying the classics if we were looking at drama. So I agree with Amazing. you. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You know, there's a very famous story about David French that I'm sure you've heard. It's almost a legend about him going to the Tarragon Theatre. And this would have been in the mid-70s. And he was a cab driver. And he saw David Freeman's play Creeps. Yes, right. And was knocked out by it and had a play called Leaving Home, which is about Jacob Mercer, uh, about 30 years beyond the Jacob you'll meet in Saltwater Moon. And he gave it to Bill Glasgow and he said, I'm not leaving until you read this play. <laughs> Sounds like David. Sounds like David. <laughs> Do you remember your first David French experience? I think it was directing Saltwater Moon. Really? Yep. This is what I mean. Okay. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, I knew of him. I had read... Um, I had read his other plays, I, and I don't think I had read Saltwater Moon when it was given to me, uh -huh. but I knew of the Mercer family, I knew of the other plays, okay. the other two before that came beforehand, but that was my first, I'd never seen a David French play, um, because I wasn't in Toronto at the time, like it was a different yeah. time yeah. period, yeah. and so that was my first experience of David French. Wow, so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that experience, and what struck you about it when you were introduced to it? And um, Well, yeah, it, it's so funny because I was 17 years younger, and this is what's so funny about doing this play again. It felt like I was doing it for the first time because, as you well know, 17 years of life teaches you a few things, or hopefully it does. Um, so it was a very different experience then. That experience was fun because none of us were from Newfoundland. So it was this strange Canadian I like, I like to call it a Canadian experience where I was from Montreal, uh, raised uh, by Franco-Ontarian parents, but I was raised in Quebec. Marcel was from Quebec. Um, Burgundy was from Nova Scotia. Um, a few other people who were working on the productions were from Ontario, and we were doing it in Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, it doesn't get any better than this, really. But none of us had been to Newfoundland at that point. Uh. Um, I don't even think Burgundy, Burgundy from Nova Scotia wow. had been. So we had no sense of it. And this is why I think David French is such an amazing playwright, is that it didn't matter because you get it. You get it from the text, you get it from the characters, 
We learned so much. I mean, you do the research, you look at the photographs, you find out who the characters are, but really, it's all in the play. Um, he's such a gifted playwright. Working on it again has reminded me mm. of that. Um, that, as I like to say, a good play tells you everything you need to know. Um, and of course, it, and it excites your curiosity to find out other things. So it's not a bad play, and you know, sadly, so they do exist, and we've worked on them once in a while. I never have. No, I know I never happened to you. <laughs> no, not yet. I'll, I'll phone you up when it happens. <laughs> Please. <No. laughs> but the exact opposite happens, is that you're actually researching so you can bring something to the play to mm. give it meat. And in, a, in the case of Saltwater Moon and a good play, it's the exact opposite. Um, you could do the play without researching a thing, and you would still hmm. understand it, but... The good thing is that you are, you are uh, inspired to look outside of it. So at the time, we had a lot of fun with the play. Uh, we laughed. I remember laughing an enormous amount, which we did here too. Um, Marcel Janet was also 17 years younger, and very much not unlike Jamie Mack, um, both really, really intelligent, sensitive actors, but with a wicked sense of humor. Um, which is always hard on the Mary, because the Mary is supposed to be somewhat angry at him, and you'll see. And so the actor playing reason. Mary, yeah. Yeah, 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 and the actor playing Mary constantly has to not laugh, like she has to be irritated at him, and it's it's extremely challenging. So in both cases, I had these beautiful Jacobs, in both cases, beautiful Marys, but it was it's funny thinking of it now, I. I'm so glad I got to do it again because mm. I don't think I even, I just, I, I didn't grasp it all. It's, I, it's yeah. so interesting, eh? Because looking forward, looking back, one would presume maybe that because the play is about two young people, the characters are 18 and 17, that being younger, you're closer to it. And there are things you maybe see now with experience about it that you didn't see then. And yeah. I think the combination of me being much older than the cast mm. and the cast being that combination I think is they could bring that youth and some of that perspective and I could bring uh, another one uh, a bit more experienced because the two characters you see they're young 17 and 18 but their lives have been um, well not easy they're their lives of adults um, yeah. you know when someone like a Mary, which, you know, I'm not giving anything away here, you know, is, is, is working at a very young age, and so is Jacob, actually, and they're forced into those situations to take care of families um, when they're nine or ten years old. Uh, this, you know, you become an adult instantaneously. Um, and so they are young in many ways, but they are very, very wise and mature in other ways. And so that's been interesting to explore. And that, I think that would, that would be something I understood more clearly now hmm. than I did then. And it's, and it's kind of in the dramaturgy of the play, isn't it? Like, I don't know if you're all familiar, but amongst the many plays that David French wrote, five of his plays he dedicated to telling the story of the Mercer family. And you must, when you are leaving the show or before you go in, look at the wonderful exhibit that we've been able to put together that chronicles the Mercer family plays of David French, and it tells you all about them. David wrote two plays about Jacob and Mary before he wrote Saltwater Moon, mm -hmm. in which 
They're like in their 50s. And you see this couple having left Newfoundland, living in Toronto. You see their grown children. You see the, real, the consequences of the choices they make in this play. And David, I think it's so fascinating, decided after those two plays to go back. Which is not unusual. It's funny. I mean, I grew up learning about Tremblay, Michel uh-huh, Tremblay, yes, and the parallels that, are quite interesting between these two amazing playwrights. I, I mean, I call them the two of my theater fathers because I grew up hmm. on them and I understood them and they were from us. From um, And Tremblay did the same thing. He went back and yes. revisited characters as well. And I think, I mean, he does dedicate this play, uh, Saltwater Moon, to his parents. He says, once again, for my parents. Um, and I think the Mercer family chronicle is about, um, or certainly I'd like to think is about him exploring that relationship he had with his parents mm. and trying to understand them and understand their choices. Um, and I think that's why they're so compelling, so rich, so personal, without being autobiographical necessarily, but intensely personal. And for me, the best drama is always when it comes from a very personal place on the part of the playwright. Did, did those other plays inform you at all in your understanding of this one? Did you yeah. go, how often do you get to look at a character and, and actually read about what he and she do 30 years later? That's right. Well, it informed us because in all the plays, you see that he is constantly French, is wrestling in those particular plays with the relationship between fathers and sons most often. And so looking at the other plays, we looked at that to say, yes, there seems to be a pattern for Jacob where in this play that you're about to see, he is wrestling with his father. And in the other play, the two other plays that were written and subsequent ones, but the two ones beforehand, Jacob is now a father. He's got two sons and there's one with whom he seems to constantly wrestle with. And a lot of this comes from shame. Um, It's a big theme Mm in the Mercer plays, where they're looking at men who are, um, because of circumstance, made to do things to support their families that um, are very difficult to, hmm, how is that, to bear, yeah. uh, you know. Um, and, and he tips his hat to that, the courage of that, um, and tries to somehow relieve, like replace shame with a type of bravery. And so those two themes, and you'll see in the play, they're very much touched upon, and I think they are in the other two plays. So when we looked at that with the cast, we talked a lot about how that informs us, mostly for Jacob, and how those themes, it alerted us to the themes that exist in Saltwater Moon, and so we paid more close attention to it because of the previous works. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazingly an interesting thing about these characters dealing with incredible change. Mm -hmm. So, sure, it's a love story, absolutely. But it's also about country, isn't it? It's about a way of life. It's, And they have no idea what's about to happen with the cod fishery. No. It's it's always... I know, it's always so so unpredictable, so hard. Um, And it's it's really interesting to see this play that um, is now taking place before 1949, and the yeah. other two plays took place after 1949, when the family had been living in Toronto, in Canada. Um, and a so different they, country. Yeah. She know. talks about the customs office That's in it. Sydney. And he says, yeah. pointed to another country. Uh, the boat yeah. pointed to another country. Amazing. And so um, we, we can't imagine that, but it, 
they were leaving, it's like someone, a very young person who's only known this small fishing village and decides to go right now to, I don't know, Hong Kong. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying to find the equivalent, right? Um, so, so it's an interesting exploration that way too for us to look at identity, look at how you define yourself, what defines you. Mm. And, and those are linked as well to are you defined by bravery, by shame? Are you defined by being a fisherman? And are you defined by being a teacher? And the status too, and education, how education plays in status. Um, there's so much in this play. It's unbelievably rich. And I think that's what's been such a gift for me. So thank you, Peter, oh. to allow my, me to re-explore this piece uh, and see the things that were there in a much mm -hmm. potentially more experienced and mature... Um, <laughs> of the wisdom. Yeah, wisdom, the yes. Yeah. <laughs> wisdom. Yeah. I'm curious, too, because what you say about fathers and sons, and Jacob is such an irascible guy. How do you interact with these plays as a woman? <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I know you're a director and you... Well, I kind of, I guess I l like harassable men then. I just don't know. <laughs> I, apparently, I have a penchant for the whole thing. <laughs> um, I, I, I actually, it, okay, oddly enough, I will say that I have a real soft uh, spot for stories that explore what it is like to be a man in our hmm. In our, I mean, I, I consider the 20th century still part of my century, but in post-industrial revolution, um, I find it very interesting to see their battle, to understand their battle, and also watch women like Mary yeah. be with that, and how do you come up against that? And I admire her as well for her ability to love, respect, yet challenge men like Jacob, who are very difficult to, <laughs> to... Patriarchs, like he's a yeah. real... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And men, you know, we, we joke in the rehearsal, what we say all the time, I mean, Jamie is, you know, he's 24, four, like a young lad of this, of the 21st century. And I keep saying, yes, this is 1926, Jamie. He's a guy. He's a guy guy. When men are men and girls are girls. Like it's that, it's a whole other time. You know, you have to understand that his pride is linked to certain things. It's a very different expectation. So that's also interesting mm. to explore and to remind ourselves of those, that context, and especially in this particular uh, dynamic of this village and mm. what's what's, it's about expectations. So that's fun. I have no problem. I love it. I love, I love and, looking and at... And Mary ain't no pansy oh. in the corner. No, uh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, she can, well, she can't be, not with him. No. Um, he wouldn't love her if she was. Uh, a pansy like he that's what he yeah. loves about her is her steel and her strength but yeah. um but no it's it's fun to explore human nature generally and it's not theater unless the characters are as far as i'm concerned deeply flawed and therefore deeply beautiful and deeply human mm. and so it's fun to deal with a jacob absolutely yeah 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 one of the things about the play i just wanted to touch on and then we'll open it up to you for questions you might have for michelin is not unlike Tremblay, there are two people on stage in this play, and yet there's a world of characters. Someone was saying to me last night, uh, Jerome McKenzie, who's Mary's betrothed, feels like you know him. 
And he never <laughs> makes it on stage. He's so present. And uh, Mary's sister, Dot, what was that like to contend with? Or how do you... Well, we talked a lot about... Uh, the, the actors had to find... When you talked about a character, the actors actually had to find uh, pictures. Like, they ah, found nice. pictures. So, because J- <laughs> Jamie's image of Jerome was quite different than, than Holly's picture of Jerome. Yeah. That was interesting. The two actors were talking about him, but she's, she's engaged to him, so her vision of it was far kinder, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then, which we do, right? And then I s- so I said to Jamie at one point, I said, okay, I think we have to clarify what Jerome looks like, because you're making him sound like he's a simpleton. Like he was reducing, <laughs> but that's Jacob's job in the play. Yeah. But I said, but he's not, right? Because if he was a simpleton, if he was nothing, you wouldn't feel threatened by him. So you have mm. to be careful that you, he has to be a threat to you. And so we finally found images. So what we did that exercise. with, yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. So we, we did a lot of that for all the characters where we started to get a sense of what they were like, what their natures were like. Um, what they looked like, sounded like, we had to talk about it. And it came a little bit later in the process because I, I think we all assumed we were thinking the same thing. See, that's so interesting to me because often in theater we talk about stakes. We want high stakes to make good drama. And what do we mean by that? It's exactly like, for on one side, Jerome McKenzie is a simpleton, but he has to be a real threat. There has to be two things of mm-hmm. equal size of what you stand to gain, what you stand to lose. Yes, exactly. And this play is full of very high stakes like that. Yeah, I mean, so Jacob's father has to be an incredible presence in the play because of the decisions that he makes to leave because of it. So the father has, fathers is huge in this play. Um, hmm. Absent fathers, uh, defeated fathers, um, and the fear of Jacob to become that, to become, right. and therefore what <laughs> he chooses to leave, so he becomes an absent man again. And so there's lots of things like that that, that are explored. And, and gorgeous, like David is so amazing that offstage to what's happening around the play, listen for it and see how it plays out is a funeral, a death, a wake is going on, and yes. a birth. Yes. These two events are happening around That's right. this that not only populous the world they're in, but it also adds to that thing of stakes. Yeah, it and does. But that was one thing we talked a lot about. Is It starts with, and that's the first mention, is that there is a wake. Um, and you think, okay, so what is that? So talking about, and there's a lot of talk about death. In the play, subsequently, people dying, um, people leaving, uh, this, the, the consequence of that. Uh, but again, that's the thing that David does. He doesn't shy away from it. The ghosts are there. They're, they're right beside you. They're sitting next to you. Um, it's not a problem that old Bob Foote is dead. He's roaming the roads, according to Jacob. Um, so it's, that, too, is an amazing world where you th- it, it, death is, yeah. people die, like, all the time and wakes are parties you know and there's good food and uh, you party all night mm. that's what you do. do you know the newfoundland houses the salt box houses have the front door up and they told me in newfoundland they said you can tell the real houses from the fake ones because the fake ones have a step to that door <laughs> the real ones don't and i said well what did you do with the door at the front they go it needed to be up to bring the coffin in 
for the oh wake and you couldn't <laughs> and so you it was for show and for the coffin to come in on wakes right amazing whoa i know, I know. Uh, there you I know. go <laughs> well see and that's what it's such a reality for them yeah um where for us we tend to shy away from it or we don't because we don't probably encounter it mm. in the same way and everybody knows each other and so the idea that half of the town is at the wake half of the town okay so i literally yeah. whenever i hear that line i think right half the town so there's a wake and i keep so I, of course it's ridiculous but i go to imagine a party where half of montreal is there yeah uh, no but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I go yeah, to that yeah, yeah. place where so you know of course it's nowhere in the numbers but still it, that's what it means in this community um the engagement of that and how people know each other and the way they speak of um we had to yeah there's a couple of characters but Tremblay does the same you're absolutely right and you have you you get to feel the presence of everyone mm. on that stage. And so apparently the first version of Saltwater Moon had 20 characters. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's what I read somewhere, that it had 20 characters. So I guess everybody that was he mentioned it, was like in it. Jerome and Everybody was in it. And then obviously and with time, he realized that in fact the play was about the two of them huh. talking and that was the story, the real story, but then everybody else is, is referred to. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that because after Saltwater, the next Mercer play is 1949. Yes. Take place 20 years later. And it's a big play. Yeah. Tons of characters. And then another 20 years later, David writes Soldier's Heart, which is a prequel to Saltwater Moon. Mm -hmm. Small play again. Yeah. Again, father, son, same thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we are so, so thrilled to be opening our season with Saltwater Moon. And so thrilled that you directed it again. <laughs> and uh, so please, let's all join in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Peter. And uh, enjoy the show this afternoon. And please uh, take your time and look at the exhibits in the lobbies. Mm -hmm. Right in the front lobby as you come in. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks a lot. That's all for this edition of the Hinterviews Podcast. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store search on interviews. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick from Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa.